This time on the Magic Kitchen podcast, we're interviewing Rhonda McCrimmon from the Center of Shamanism. I'm Leandra Witchwood. And I'm Elise Wells. And welcome to the Magic Kitchen podcast, where we talk about magic, kitchen witchcraft, herbs, and everything in between. and I get into our amazing interview with Rhonda McCrimmon, I wanted to update you on just a few really quick things. One is that the Magic Kitchen Pantry is going amazingly. We've had one workshop so far where we've discussed the nitty gritty of the last episode, Calling Out versus Calling In. And this Wednesday, you're going to have the opportunity to join us and speak a little bit deeper on the topic of shamanism that we're talking with Rhonda about today. And every Wednesday, twice a month after each episode that comes out, You're invited into the Magic Kitchen to a table talk with Leandra and I, where we really get into whatever the topic was and answer all of your questions. And you get the backlog of recorded, think of them as bonus episodes or workshops for yourself to enjoy on your own time or your drive or just like you enjoy any podcast. We've also got two exciting things going on in December. Leandra is hosting a workshop on the Primordial Goddess, and it is a workshop that begins a series of different goddess workshops. So you'll have a chance to join all of those workshops when you join her Rebel Mystic community for free. All workshops are free when you join her community at the mystic level. And I have a workshop coming up on December 7th, which takes you into the Eastern influences that your witchcraft practice actually probably already reflects. We'll be talking chakras, we'll be talking meditation, but we'll also be talking about the view of death and how similar that is to Eastern practices, the way we view reincarnation, the way we practice animism, the way we understand the universe around us. And when you participate in this workshop, you also receive a resource folder, which includes several actual books that I was able to track down legal PDFs for you to have. So it's really going to be an immersive experience, perfect for any level of knowledge on Eastern practices, and a good way to start dipping your toes and looking at the roots of your witchcraft practice. You can find the links in the show notes below for both of our workshops and the Magic Kitchen Pantry on Circle. And you can also join the Magic Kitchen Pantry when you join my Patreon community, which if you join by December 1st, you also get a mailed Yule gift from me from Greece. All right. Without further ado, here is our awesome interview with Rhonda. Enjoy. So before I fully introduce Rhonda, I want you to understand like the magic that she holds here in her communities. She is one of the testaments of how we can come from a place of repetitive misery, that spiral of misery in life, and really be that phoenix and pull ourselves you know, back up from the bootstraps, reconnecting with source and reconnecting with spirit in getting ourselves back into a place of balance and prosperity and health and healing. So Rhonda, 
Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. I am so happy you are here. I'm, you know, like I told you a little while ago, I'm I'm kind of geeking out because <laughs> it's a little fangirling here because I've been following you for about two years. And I just admire the work you're doing. It's so wonderful. It's so nourishing and healing. It's exactly what we need in this day and age. Welcome. Hi, thanks for the invitation. It's great to be here. Great to have you. So let's start off. We'll, we'll dig into some questions. Um, first, let me let let the audience here get a sense of who you are and what you're doing. Tell us about your work, about your communities, about your classes, your apprenticeship, everything. Just lay it on us. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so yes, for me, the the space that I inhabit at the moment. Um, comes at the end of, or not at the end, but it comes at, the, at this point in time after a, a bit of a, of a journey. So it might be worth just giving a very brief um, idea of where I came from and how I ended up where I am. So let's do that. Um, so I was um, very, I had a, quite a difficult childhood. I, I wasn't particularly um, sensible as a young adult, fell very, you know, fell pregnant very young, ended up homeless with a baby, um, managed to get myself on my feet, decided to become an accountant. Um, so I don't know why I thought that was a good idea, but, I, you know, I did at the time, uh, you know, the society's rules about what people should, intelligent people should do. So I became an accountant, worked two jobs with my little baby by myself. Um, went back to school um, and then w- became quite successful in that world, in the, in the finance world. And I was still miserable, <laughs> depressed, anxious. Um, I was one of the probably the not very nice people that you might meet in the world. I was I was a bit maybe a bit cruel sometimes and I was always miserable and everything was negative. Um, I didn't know how to be any other way. I didn't know there was another way to be. And then my dad died and he was kind of like the um, negative figurehead, I would call him, of the family. He was an alcoholic, and he, but he held a very um, tight rule over, over us and over the family. So when he died, there had been some shifts happening for sure, um, but that completely changed everything. And I thought, and I watched and die, never having fulfilled his legacy he died trying to be a different person trying to be happy trying to find peace and he just never got close and when I watched him die because we had we kept him at home and he had cancer so you know we knew he was going to go so we kept him at home and I watched him die and I thought I'm not going to go like that I I, I need there need there has to be a different way to live if I if I'm going to honor the legacy of my father and his ancestors and all of the pain that they've carried for generations then I need to do something different and that's when I accidentally fell on a shamanic class um so I went along to this introduction to shamanism very skeptical very much still in grief it was only a couple of months after my dad died but I was like well whatever you know I'm sure it'll be a bit silly <laughs> I'll try it and it was like coming home. It was like the most amazing experience. Those two hours, I've never felt so held. I've never felt so relaxed. I've never felt so at home. And I thought, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to do. I don't know what this is, but I want to create this for 
other people, right? You know, when you start a spiritual path, you're usually too busy thinking about everybody else and not yourself. Right. So, but I was like, this is it. So I then I kind of went about my shamanic training with a single-minded determination, which I'm not known for. I usually don't finish things or very scatty, but there was just something about this path that called me so strongly. So then I continued to be an accountant for a while and studied for three years with a local shaman, then did some um, further training and different things and just single-mindedly worked towards doing this as my um, existence on this planet, as what I, uh, uh, the thing that I wanted to be my legacy in whatever way that turned out to be. So I've now been doing this for, I don't know, last time I counted, maybe five years now since I graduated from my training and full-time for three. So I don't, this is my full-time job. This is what I do. I create opportunities for people to walk this path and receive what they need to find a place of peace in this life, which so many of us don't have. It's so hard to find just peace, regardless of what's happening. So that is how I ended up here. Now, what do we do in the Centre for Shamanism? Well, there are lots of opportunities for free learning because one of our values is to create opportunities. So when I was looking for help, I was a single mother with no money and I I couldn't find any help. Um, So... We, if you want to learn about shamanism, you can do that with us for free. There's a whole pathway of learning there that you that you, you can kind of tap into through a podcast that we do and our Facebook community that you can be in and ask questions and there's free stuff in there. There's free stuff on the website. There's healings. There's loads of stuff that you can access. And we also have some paid pathways as well. We have our monthly membership, which is stuffed full of things. Leandra, you're a member of that. You enjoy it um, and we have and we keep that really low price point so and then we have our apprenticeship program which people can join when you really you're like all right I like this this is good for me I trust this lady that I'm that I'm you know handing my soul over to because essentially that's what you're doing and um, yeah so I'll give you plenty of opportunity to work with me in ways that are with no financial risk to you. I think lots of people worry about that, especially with um, shamanism for some reason. There seems to be quite a, quite a lot of uh, stigma attached to working with Western shamans. So I try and make it easy for you to do that and to trust the space that we hold. Um, so that's, that's it. Okay, so let's talk about the stigma a little bit, because that I think is a huge thing here in America. And since you're online, you can go globally, which was how I found you. And I think that is such a, a point to, to touch on, because so many people misunderstand shamanism from different perspectives. Like there isn't just one finite way to be a shaman or culture that is shamanism or you know it, it yeah the, the root comes from a particular culture but it's not necessarily this thing where you know you it, there's only one way elise and i talk about this all the time like there is no one way to walk these paths you know we talk primarily mm-hmm. about witchcraft but mm-hmm. there are shaman shamanistic witches which is kind of where i tend to fall into mm-hmm. the the universal multiverse of you know practices it's a mix of 
of a bunch of different things. And I think that's an important point to talk about is that it's going to look different depending on the teacher. It's going to look different depending on the culture. It's going to look different depending on the upbringing and Mm. and the diversity that is introduced. What are your thoughts on that? There are a million paths to heaven. Find the one that's right for you. So my thought, my immediate first thought on that subject is that we're all working with the same energy. You know, there isn't different, there aren't different, there's not a different universal energy in witchcraft and a different universal energy in shamanism and in Christianity and God and in um, atheism, like in, you know, whatever, paganism and Druidism and all these different names and labels. So we're all working with the same energy. We're all, we're, we're, we're all connecting to the same thing. We just find a way that sings to our soul, probably sings to our ancestral um, past and um, I think we get too hung up on labels and de- yeah. divisive, yeah. Uh, divisive lines. So that's my first thing. Mm. And what I've noticed in particular with you guys over in the States is that people often assume that shamanism is Native American. Um, people often assume that the word shaman is Native American. And I've even heard some Native American people um Native people tell me that shaman is a Native American word, and it just isn't. So uh, now, what I might, what you might find in this moment is that I get a row from people for being white. I'm very white. We could probably be more (laughs) white, white hair, blue eyes, and telling, yeah, and telling a Native person what their reality is. So I'm not, I'm not um, really in that space of divisiveness and aggression and um, trying to tell someone else their reality. But what I'm telling you is my reality, which is that shamanism is not exclusive to Native American culture. The word they reckon, they think, comes from a Tungus word based in Siberia, but that's a that's a, ling- a linguistic um, f- pathway that they have. If they, who's they? I don't know. Who, do you name, know? Right? I don't know. I don't know. Nobody seems to know. Nobody knows. Right? That's the point. But that, I mean, you can, you can, if you, if you're into linguistics, which I am a little bit, you can track it back to that word. That makes sense. But it's not the word, you know. So I think that the word shamanism is a really great catch-all for the type that for animistic practices across the globe. So yes. it depends where you go. So you get kunderos in South America, Native medicine men, and. Um, America and you'll you'll get um, seers in Celtic culture which I also use that word because I'm based on a Celtic culture but if I say seer to people or seer they don't know what it means Mm. it doesn't it doesn't hold it doesn't capture people's imagination in the way that shamanism does so for me I think that there's there's just a beautiful umbrella it's a beautiful umbrella term shamanism I would say usually will involve spirit guides Mm And, and an animist way of seeing the world, which other um, labels have too. But yes. if it doesn't, if you don't have spirit guides and an animist way of looking at the world, you probably need a different label if you're gonna if you're gonna get pernickety about it. Um, but for me, shamanism is a great catch-all, and I think people get too worried about what other people are doing and should yeah. probably just concentrate on what they're doing. <laughs> well, and that and what other people think. You know, it's when you're walking a spiritual path, you start seeing that bigger picture. You start seeing how things are all just related to each other, how they all kind of interconnect and that universal spider web. 
And when you're connecting with nature, when you're connecting with the universe, when you're connecting with breath and movement and sound, like it, all of that just falls away. It doesn't matter what your skin color is, where your, your ancestry lies, where your spirit has been in a past life, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's just that connection, that deep residing connection to heaven and earth. Mm. Yeah. Do you find, I asked this question because um, I live in Greece and in Greece, witchcraft is actually illegal. So if I don't use a VPN, if I use the terms, even not even just witchcraft, if I use terms like spirituality or energy healing, I will get shadow banned on TikTok or, you know, my content will be flagged. And so I find myself skirting that line a lot of, you know, how can I say to people like this path is all the same without talking at all about the path? You know, like I'm trying to kind of like do that. And in doing that, it's been interesting because I end up with, I have people in my course who are Christian. I have people who are atheist. I mm. have people that have messaged me and said they listen to our podcast and they're in a country where they never thought about witchcraft, but they do a lot of folk practices that are the same. Um, do you find specifically, like with using the term shamanism, do you get specific religious or spiritual backgrounds interested in your work? Or is it, you know, kind of a hodgepodge? It's very much a hodgepodge, I would say. Um, we have some very devout Christians in our group um, who who love to merge their practices together. So a lot of the work that I do, I'm known on TikTok for more of the Celtic shamanism that I do, but actually um, what I'm really, and, and that's fine because I'm Scottish and I have a lot of Celtic practices that we work with, but actually the core of what we offer is creative shamanism. So it's about what you bring. And if you're really interested in shamanism, how can you weave that into what already exists? It's a way of life. It's uh, it's, some, it's not this or that it's it's with so we have um one member in particular who's very christian and weaves her shamanism in beautifully we have a pastor's wife who joins a lot of our um our group um calls and we have beautiful conversations and they love it and i think it weaves beautifully with any any practice because it's not religion itself shamanism isn't a religion but it is a way to connect with god if that's in a different way through nature and through the soul of our mother earth and through um through guides so there is a, it's a different way to connect and some christians won't agree with that and that's okay because that's the point of creative being a creative spiritual person it's like well, however it works for you so i would say we have witches we have pagans we have druids we have people who purely like myself i'm like more just into the shamanism and everything that's my base my foundation is shamanism and i bring things into that you guys's base is witchcraft but you bring things into that so um it really is a, a beautiful space i think to explore your spiritual path without judgment and without your right and wrong so it's i don't know if liz if you're um in our group leandra you are it takes a lot of effort to run a group like that yeah. but it's the only space i know of where you're not allowed to give advice you're not allowed to tell people they're wrong and that you're right. You're not allowed to make any kind of judgments on other people's sharings. You're only allowed to talk with eye language. So I feel this. My opinion is this. And you're not allowed to give advice or talk in statements of fact. So 
yeah, I'd say that one of the reasons we can be so hodgepodge is because we don't allow that kind of um, divisive communication. Yeah, no, I, I am in the group and I noticed that, I guess I saw it right away because when you join, that's the the rules that you lay out. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'm excited to see how this works because I run a much smaller group. It's definitely not as as large in um and it's just pagans like it's a baltimore pagans witches and friends group um i used to live in baltimore for four years so i still admin that and run events but we still would have so many issues and we're like a tenth the size of your group so it's amazing to me how effective that that i language is Mm. and i think what happens there as well is that we have everybody who buys into it and lots of people just say nah see ya no way you're crazy i get called a narcissist i get and like I get horrible messages from people it's quite funny people get really annoyed about that I'm not allowed to give advice so you're a narcissist okay and so what we what we yeah right so what we find is is that it's actually less work to run the group like that than it is to deal with all the arguments that come when you don't run your group like that so we have like 10 moderators in our group and they're all really committed um Ah, just amazing souls who really believe in what we're doing and uh, they are so helpful. But also all of the members, they're flagging immediately when they see that because they're like, no, this is our safe space. This is our group. This is, you know, we're not having it. So it's so quick, you know, which is great. So everybody who buys into it loves it. I love that. And we need more spaces of non-judgment, non-hate, non-resentment so that we can be expressive. I think that's one of the things mm-hmm. that is so missing in our culture is that we feel like we always have to hold back. Everything we do, we hold back. Even when mm-hmm. you see somebody who seems to be fully expressive, there's always an element of holding back something somewhere. And we're it's integrated. It's it's in almost in our DNA now because we've been taught like, oh, don't be too loud. Don't be too expressive. Don't be too excited. Don't be too this, too that, mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the problem you see. That's what happens is, is that, especially as women, we, we're taught to suppress, right? So we're taught to be smaller and quieter and you, you know, you have to be strong, but not too strong. And you have to be pretty, but not too pretty. And you have to be clever, but not too clever. There's all, all these like strange things that dances that you have to, to, to what, you know, be part of when you want to be in effect, you know, like culturally, a woman is just pulled in so many different directions. But what happens, I find in that case, is that you're your true self is just suppressed under all this pressure to be all these different things. And it comes out in all these ugly or ugly ways to me. So what we'll often find is that people who come to the group, most women who come into our group, or a lot of women, I shouldn't say most, I should say a lot of women who join our group come with issues that they want to solve, personal issues like I had, um, one of them usually is a massive saviour complex. So um, for me, that was like that was massive for me. I was a huge saviour. No, people couldn't get within ten feet of me, and I was trying to save them or give them solutions or tell them what to do or help them in some way. To the point where I'd split myself into a million different pieces, and I was just an angry little thing because I didn't have any boundaries. I didn't know how to say no, and just ended up. Be, you know, receiving my external validation from the saviour thing that I would always do and then hating myself for it. So when people come into the group and they're not allowed to do that, if they can stay, if they can deal with the discomfort, 
because often we avoid discomfort that a lot of our a lot of what we do and a lot of our the techniques that we employ to uh, numb or get away from our feelings are to actually avoid discomfort we don't like to be uncomfortable so if people can handle the discomfort for a short amount of time it's like it can be life-changing and lots of the sharings that people put into the group whenever I bring this up is you've you changed my life I now do it at home I do it at my work I do it everywhere it's like so refreshing not to feel like responsible for every person every person's feelings um so just that one small change in language so as which is language is magic like that's the, the truth of the matter you know you are as you speak so just that one thing because we've got a group what are we at now nearly ten thousand people in our group and if that's all we ever did it's just made such a massive difference so um i feel like i've gone off on the tangent but i get very i'm very passionate about this for women and i feel like if it's something that women a lot of women can learn how to do you just end up with so much energy back because you're not having to give it out all the time and it's just the first step or one of the steps to take when you're looking at you're looking at how to regain your inner sovereignty and your inner strength yeah it's a worthy tangent <laughs> yeah, it is. yeah that sovereignty is is that's the word that leandra uses a lot i always say that about energy is like forget money, forget materialistic things, our only resources, the only one is energy. Energy and our time. That's it. They're finite. Mm -hmm. They will run out. That's all you need to worry about. And so often, the, the way I've learned to sort of frame what I do is like spirit first intentional living. So taking this spiritual guidance, whether it's from your guides or your higher power connection, and then thinking about the life you're living, like what is the result you want? If the result of whatever the action is isn't what you want, just don't do it. And so often because of that comfort, because of that ego saying, hey, this is safe, keep going, we just go along with it. We do what we're supposed to do. You know, we become accountants. We become teachers. That was me. Everyone always told me I'm so nurturing. I'll be a great teacher. And I believe that. And I was. I was. But at such a cost. <laughs> at such a cost. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it is a cost, isn't it? And it's like, where do you, on a daily basis, where does your energy go is the other thing I've been thinking about recently. Like, for me, I'm like, I've noticed, so obviously I'm on TikTok, right? And what, we had like the whole thing the other week, you know, with the seen in business with the closed seen in yes. and all yes. these witches got really upset with me yes. and like, like really mean. So I, I, what really came out of that energetically like where am I spending my energy was like all right I, got, I was quite rattled by that to start with because it's not happened to me in su at such a scale so I'm used to taking abuse individually from people that happens you, you know you work with so many people you're bound to upset some people when you're working on this kind of path people are wounded and hurting and they do lash out and that's okay I hadn't, I hadn't dealt with it to that extent before so it was really interesting for me because I was like all right how much energy am I going to give to this how much focus am I going to give to this? Am I going to respond? Am I going to get into a bitching match with these women? And I thought, no, that's not, I don't want to give my energy to that. I'm just going to keep doing what I do. And I just have to block people. So that's what I did. I just blocked everybody that was coming through. I just blocked them and continued to do what I do. 
you know, let's look at and that that activity, that drawback of your energy. That's a true testament of your shamanic training. That's a testament of your path and how you live it, because when we choose to continue to engage with these and have to be right and have to be heard by people who don't want to hear us, who are there mm. not to consider another perspective, their perspective is the only way. So they're going to attack anyone who does not hold that perspective. Mm. when we're able to pull ourselves back from that and say, you know what, you go do you, I'm going to go do me and we're done here. That is a true testament of ha- of reclaiming that energy and mm. to your path and how you walk it. Because yeah, you mm. could have chosen to, to lash back out the, out at them. And maybe that would have boosted your follows and you would have gotten you more, you know, visibility on TikTok and that sort of thing. But you chose like to take the path that resembles your values and you walked your talk really well so there's one interesting thing there Andrew that I would like to say is that nobody's perfect so in this situation um what happened was that my a lot of people had started tagging me in the videos where Sainang was now being closed by these Scottish witches right and there was only like four or five of them it wasn't that you know it wasn't a, it's not a movement in in the Scottish witch community I'll say that much um and although there are some I you know I didn't disagree with some of the things they were saying the whole thing just it doesn't sit right with me it's just not how I see it and I disagree entirely with the reasons that they would like to do that and I mean it's like shutting the door after the horse is bolted it's like far too late for that kind of stuff and also saying by the way is like individual to family lines like the actual, the, the charms themselves are individual to family lines. And you can take saying as a as an overall, um, like Ho'oponopono is the same, right? So you can take the, you can take the essence of it. Um, smudging probably is very similar. Like it's, you know, what we do isn't necessarily taking these individual little um, pathways on how to do something from individual families, right? But I've lost my train of thought. Let me, let me just get back to my train of thought. What so what I'm doing right, what I'm doing right now is trying not to get annoyed, right? Yes. yes. <laughs> yes. I'm, so just, I'm sure, I'm sure it really cut you. It probably cut you pretty deep. I, I actually endured some similar attack from a witch yeah. in Scotland yeah. who yeah. claimed that because I was not a quote unquote Scot, I was not born in Scotland, I had no rights to the saning practice. Yeah. But but one of the things we discussed individually was that my family, most of my family lineage is from Scotland. I'm actually connected to the Boswells in Edinburgh. Mm. And in at one point, a big portion of my family was run out of Scotland under the threat of witchcraft because they were being accused mm. of witchcraft by the, um, I can't recall the, the Christian, the, the faction that was during that time that basically did all the investigations and did the accusing basically. So some of them came here, some of them went to Wales, some, you know, they kind of dispersed a little bit, but, you know, some mm. stayed. And when my ancestors came here, we had to adapt or they had to adapt their saving practices to what was available here. So mm. yarrow was growing here. It became big, you know, all the all the herbs and stuff that that could be used in the methods that I use were mm. handed down to me mm. and this is one of the attacks that I was in 
engaged mm. in because this woman was insisting that because I was not a Scot, I'm, I'm mm. using air quotes, nobody in the podcast can see me, but I'm using air quotes because I was not born in Scotland. I had no mm. rights to this practice. And I was asking her, like, please explain yourself. Like, how do you come to that when my ancestors are direct descendants from the Scots, mm. <laughs> you know? And she really, she couldn't. She was just so adamant about it. Yeah, and I think that what's really interesting for me is starting to work with a lot of people in the States is that, I don't know how you, and I'm not from the States, but this is my sense of it. So you're, you're I'm also doing going to do some air quotes for everybody listening. So you're not allowed to practice anything native because you're not native to the USA. Right. And you're not right. allowed to practice anything from your heritage because you're not born there. Well, what do you have left? Yes. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. It's so divisive. Um, and it really makes that there's a whole sweet so when that whole saying thing happened on TikTok, 99% of people were like, Thank you for saying that it isn't closed. Thank you for keeping this door, this pathway open for me. Like, you know, I'm where the hell am I supposed to go right. for my practices? So, and I think what people forget so, one lady who's actually very lovely, she was one of the nice ones, <laughs> was sort of like, You know, we were running, you know, we were run out of Scotland and, you know, we, there was like genocide and, you know, we have to protect our practices. And I'm like, where do you think everybody went? Where did they all go? All of our families who were run out of Scotland, where did they go? Went to the States and Canada. Yes. <laughs> That's where they all went. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so there's just like this sense of like, all right, tribalism, divisiveness, Monk, a bit of the monkey mind going on. It's not like it's not an open, welcoming, loving space to be. And also, most of the native people that I interact with and know, in fact, them all, love the fact that you guys in the states are connect, reconnecting. Or be, well, it sounds like you guys are connected and have always been. But you know, the guys who are just refinding their spir- spirituality because the guys I talk to are like, we need everybody to love the land. We need everybody to be out giving offerings to the ancestors. We need everybody to be like connecting with some kind of spiritual path because it's the only way that the planet, you know, has a chance of well surviving is how the native money or friends can see it. So yeah. they're all welcome in. So I, I don't know. It's mostly kind of strange. It's rootlessness, right? I think people feel root, root, rootless and they're trying to hold on anything even yeah. people in scotland because we've had our fierce share of being smashed having our culture smashed mm-hmm. so you know people are just trying to hold on to anything and keep everybody out in his mind and it's yeah. a place of black and fear you know mm-hmm. so i'm not i'm not in that space i like yeah. to be open and loving and welcoming <laughs> and, and i appreciate that because when we when we deny people on both sides you know can't connect to your ancestry you can't connect to the new land you're in where your ancestors had to flee to survive, then you're displaced. What do you have? And then you get these messages. Well, we'll just create your own practices. Well, how how am I supposed to do that when I'm not mm-hmm. able to draw from any wisdom of any practice? And yeah. you know, I think part of the work that we need to do in, in spirit and in, in shamanism and in witchcraft is healing the land that we're on because so much trauma has happened everywhere around the world. And that's one of the things that I think helps heal us is when we connect with the land and seek healing for all the atrocities that continue, even, you know, 
going down to simple everyday activities like using chemicals and pesticides and that sort of thing. But not just that, the mm. wars that were waged, the people that were, you know, placed in in indentured servitude to straight out slavery and all of this stuff that it it connects us all. So healing those mother lines and healing those generational curses are essential for all of us. So if we stop focusing on who's right and wrong and just focusing on the healing, I think we'd get a lot farther. <laughs> yeah. And I think what's important about that as well is that there's often people will um, focus externally, right? So you said there, you know, about healing the land. And while as a long-term, it sounds like, which of, you know, a, a, a lot of them um, experience it sounds like but for those who are just new to this kind of work that one of the um lures if you like is to come in and say well we need to heal the land we need to heal the wars we need to have world pe- you know we need peace and we need to send love here and we need to do this and we need to do that and actually that's not a good use of energy as, as far as that, my experience tells me what i really see that is needed is radical personal responsibility. Mm. So we need to take responsibility for what we can take responsibility for. I can't take responsibility for um, the what any wars that are going on right. Like, no, no, no. I, yeah. you know that kind of thing. But I think people get really overwhelmed with like the world events and like world history. But I think that I invite you, if you're new to this path, to just say that's okay. I d- I don't need to take responsibility for that. All I need to do is just turn inward and see what I can do in my family lines, in my in my life right now. Don't get and also don't get stuck in your past for too long. Do the work, you know, do the healing. But then you said something earlier, Liz, about your actions. Where are they taking you? Where's your trajectory right now? Yeah. You know, so you're like, okay, you you're going to be an ancestor soon sometime you're going to be the ancestor what do you want to leave behind what are you doing right now is that what you want your descendants to have to deal with you know that i find that very helpful so for me if everybody took radical personal responsibility for their own lines and their own healing and didn't get too caught up in the past or the future and we're just in this moment now saying okay i was just i just was a bit of a dick there and i need to say sorry because that's not okay and i'm going to change my behavior and this is how i'm going to do it oh, wait, I need to put up a boundary here. This is not okay for me. I'm sorry. Please don't do that again. And here's why. No, no, I don't need to hear any excuses. I just need you not to do that. And that's why that's not okay for me. And have and have and and be able to have better boundaries. Be able to say, this is my need. I need some space right now. And I'm going to take it, you know, and meet your own needs. It's all these simple things that will make a massive difference in the world. And I think people get too caught up in the big gestures and the big things rather than these really small moments day to day every every moment day to day where you can make such a huge difference to you and therefore what you ripple out into the world so what do you do you guys have an opinion about that (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean it's interesting because i moved to greece my dad's greek egyptian so i'm i'm half greek and i'm a greek citizen but i've never lived here full time and i was called to move here by my guides about a year and a half before I, I knew I'd be able to. I had I was a teacher, so I had contracts to fulfill. Like I was never gonna bail on my students that way. So 
I, I figured all that out. I planned it all out and my guides kept pulling me here and I, and I was, you know, questioning him like why. And I thought it had more to do with, you know, connecting to a magic. Like, is there something I'm going to learn here? And I didn't really want to do any Googling or planning in that regard. Like I didn't feel called to do that. I, I was just moving here. So I figured out the logistics of how to do it. My husband's a white bread American. So we had to get all his paperwork done and like figure out how we're doing it. And then we got here and I find out one witchcraft is illegal, but two, everybody does it. Every single person I've met. It is common knowledge here to have folk practices. It's common knowledge to know that you have to plant plant a basil plant at your front door and rub it as you leave and come in every day to clean your energy. Mm-hmm. It's known that you have to wear an evil eye, necklace, bracelet, a- anklet, somehow, every day. It's known that if you wear your hair down out in public, someone can send you the evil eye, you're less protected. Like, And old ladies will stop you and be like, braid your hair, please. Like literally like warning you like as if your zipper is down. And that's so cool. Yeah. And it's so it's been interesting because what I thought learning meant, you know, I thought I'd come here and find a teacher for Reiki or, you know, I instead am actually learning a cultural understanding. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think that's like, I agree. It's about our individual accountability. But with that, if we're open to what opportunities are around us, you know, like in witchcraft, we say there's like four, four no's, like four things we can do. No with a K. Like we have, uh, like we can dare to be silent and listen, which is something I don't hear in a lot of other like paths. Those are two of them that I, I always try to remember because that's what I was bad at originally. And like when I got here, that's what I started doing more is listening and taking it in. And then that becomes part of my my intentional practice. Like, okay, well, I wanted to find a teacher. Looks like everything around me is teaching me. So instead I'm just going to go to the beach and meditate, <laughs> you know, like mm. that's been, <laughs> it's been less about people and more about spirit of place. Like finding that calm here, like the land is literally teaching me the energy of the place, the the community vibes are stronger than any one thing. So, yeah, you're saying that while radical personal responsibility is something that you agree with, you also think that culture and community is very important, which I also absolutely yeah. agree with. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Your, your ability to take radical personal responsibility when you have a pathway and a holding for that, isn't it? Yeah, and it's been weird because growing up, I was always told, like, you know, I'm American and then on the other side in America, they're like, go back to where you came from. And then I go back to where I came I came from. And they're like, you're gentrifying. Go back to where you came mm-hmm. from. And I'm like, but I came from here. And, you know, I'm, I'm not gentrifying. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, I don't even know how to do that. I don't have an accountant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> like there's, yeah. there's a lot of that. Like, but that's where the personal responsibility came in for me because I was like, no, I know I'm not doing that. So. Yeah. And also, what's, um, when we were talking earlier about one of the things that, that we do at the centre is like that's one of the reasons that I have the community that I have is because there are so many displaced, mis- displaced people who don't know where else to go to get that kind of sense of community and culture and holding. Um, and, you know, the pandemic was such a difficult time for everybody, really. But what the gifts that that has given for 
for our community have been immense because now people are way, totally willing to come online and can really see the benefit of like and feel the benefit and be part of a culture and a community online, which is amazing because before that, I mean, I worked online before the pandemic. So I've always worked this, what well, we call it, this, used to call it distance work. Now we're just like, yeah, we're on Zoom, but you know, it's like distance work. There's no kind of, there's no space and time that's all a myth, la la la, right? So what's really interesting to watch is like this cultural shift now to from, no, no, we can't work online. You can't be spiritual online. You can't do stuff online. It doesn't work, but it it does. And lo and behold, the spirits are so flexible. They don't care. They don't care how we do it. As long as we do it, they don't care. So, and they love it. So, you know, the the, the massive amounts of like, transformatory change that I've experienced personally through our community and our whole done and other people just watching that like must be hundreds of people now who've said this has changed my life and it's all online but it is a culture and it is, it is a hold down and it is yeah. a place of non-judgment a loving non-judgment we're not perfect who is but we do our best so it's yes yeah, really interesting stuff especially yeah. for those of you you so displaced in your spiritual roots and it's interesting too how unless you're in a call and you're hearing someone's voice you might really not be aware of where somebody's from or what accent they have or you know how tall they are like if they're disabled like you really might not know anything actually about quote unquote them but you yeah. actually have a chance to get to know who they really are because you're only talking mm -hmm. about the core things, the things that matter. I've been amazed, like yeah. some of the people I've I've met online through communities since COVID, and and really it was the pandemic that gave me that that time to connect with my guides in a deeper way, more than the the hecticness of eighty hours of commuting gave me. And I had this time and before we even figured out how to do online schooling. We really had like almost a month where our students were out of school and we couldn't communicate with them. It was just a break. And I really turned inward. I wasn't on social media at all. And that's when I got this call to move here. And it's really been the greatest thing I could have ever done. Even though I know it's just another step on the path. People are always like, oh, you're moving to Greece forever. I'm like, I'm not doing anything forever except dying. Yeah. And that's like a while away, I think. So <laughs> <laughs> even then, who knows? I might come back. I always say to people, you know, this is my last rotation, but, <laughs> but we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Actually, I'd love to talk more about spirit guides. They're okay. something that's so unique and individual to every person. I mean, spirituality always is, but guides really are. Um, what are spirit guides for people who don't have contact with them at all? In your own words, what are spirit guides and how can people start to connect with them? All right. So I believe that spirit guides are the universe's way of talking to us in a way that we can understand. So the, univer the, the universal energy, the um, sometimes it comes through intuition, you know, those moments where you're like, oh, I shouldn't overtake this car right now, or oh, I should wait half an hour before, or I don't, I don't want to go out today, or that doesn't feel right. And not the pathological kind where you're just in fear, but those genuine moments of intuition. And the universe talks to us, right? We have these moments of epiphany and, and we're like, where did that come from? You know? So spirit guides are a way to tap into that much more clearly in a way that our monkey mind can understand and connect with 
and develop a relationship with. And I find that um, some people call it God, right? Some people call it the higher self and some people call it spirit guides, angels. Some people call it ancestors or perhaps, you know, mediumship. People use mediumship as well. So for me, a spirit guide is the universe's way of communicating with us in a way that our mind can understand and relate to in a nutshell. And how and can people... Said, uh, yeah, how? Yeah, you said yeah, how. Yeah, how, yeah, how can people connect? So in shamanism, the easiest way for you to connect with your spirit guides is to learn how to do a shamanic journey. Okay, so a shamanic journey um, is um, an, an experience where you alter your state of consciousness. Some people use plant medicine for that. I don't work with plant med- well, I have in the past, but that's not what I do. Now, how I encourage people to try and alter state of consciousness is through drumming and percussion. So, oh, you won't see it because it's, yeah, I'm away to show you my drums, but you won't be able to see it on your podcast. But I have lots of drums and lots of um, ways to do that. So you move your state of consciousness into like the dream space, like the Aboriginals would have called it the dream time. And you go off into the, let's call it the ether or or the unseen realms or the dream space, whatever it is, you go and you sleep really, but you're awake. And in that space, you meet your guides, you can meet your spirit guides. There's a free class that I do that's on my website that anybody's welcome to try. It's like an hour long that I'll tell you the guiding principle, the safe guiding principles of that work, because there are things that you, I would encourage you to do to keep yourself safe in that space. Safe from what? There's no boogeyman around every corner waiting to jump out. It's not like that. But, you know, you put your seatbelt on when you drive a car just in case somebody smashes into you. It's kind of like that. So, you know, there are just seatbelt guidance that you can you can connect with in that workshop. And they're really simple. Um, and then I take you on a journey to meet a guide in that workshop. So you can sign up to that on my website. But that's essentially how you would do it. And then you can, once you get good at that, you can go into the the journey space with your guides, but you can also connect with them on a day, on a daily basis as you go through your life. So for me, my guides are always around. Um, um, they communicate with me in different ways. So sometimes I'll hear them. Sometimes I'll just know. There's like an inner knowing that I know isn't my ego or my monkey mind or my chatterbox or whatever. I'm like, oh, okay, that's, that's the guides. <laughs> um yeah, and they just become friends. They're like my friends, my spiritual team. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's key right there. It's a relationship. You become companions, you know, almost yeah. like this disembodied best friend <laughs> in a way. In a way. But sometimes that's the thing about shamanism as well, is that it's not all rainbows and roses. So sometimes the guides can be really rough with you. Yeah. Um, you know, I would take my, I take my, Fair share of uh, getting my hide tanned is, is a Scottish phrase, but um, less now, but certainly in the beginning yeah. when I wasn't listening or whatever. Sometimes your guides, what I notice as well, sometimes your guides will stop talking to you when you ask the same question over and over again, hoping for a different answer. They'll just stop communicating. Um, so, you know, there's there, there is a relationship there, but they're definitely the, there's definitely like a, I don't want to call it a hierarchy because I don't want to give it that sort of westernized sense of things. But there is like a, an honouring and a 
a sense of, um, I have a real sense of reverence for my guides. You know, they're my friends, but I wouldn't say they're like sip a glass of wine over dinner friends. They're like my, you know, I'm I'm very reverent and honoring towards my guides in that way. Like like a wise old grandmother or (laughs) elder. Yes. You know, they're, 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 (laughs) <laughs> they're there to guide you but when you when you stop listening to them they they're just kind of putting the hand up going okay <laughs> when you're ready to accept this then we'll talk <laughs> what's really interesting about guides as well is that they come in so many different forms the forms that they come in are infinite so i know people who work with weather spirits as guides and um rocks beautiful i have many i have a couple of rock guides they're like the stone people they're amazing ancestral mythical you know there's just endless uh, plants, you know, there's endless, endless, endless mm-hmm. ways that you can, yeah, and your power animals, power guides, yeah. endless ways that you can connect with, with a guide. And it will often depend on, sometimes it will depend on your specific label for your spiritual path. Like you guys will probably connect. I don't know, like you have familiars and animals, which is quite similar to the, the power animal maybe, I don't really know, but there's, um, yeah. If you are going to, look for a guide yourself then just be really open because it could be anything i knew a lady who had a wardrobe as a guide now that's a bit silly but like that she loved it she she was just going she would go on her journey and open this wardrobe and get inside and have these amazing experiences and it was she was like she loved it so that's cool cool. (laughs) sounds pretty amazing actually yeah it's about like Narnia, right yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah. when you said it, the first thing that came to mind for me was Beauty and the Beast. How oh, that oh. that opera singer lady like is yes. an is a wardrobe now, yes, yes. but she she's the yeah. one who like gives Belle advice on on her yes. journey. Like she's her yes. confidant in the beginning yes. and the end. <laughs> Would you say that this is the case for me? So I'm curious if it's a normal, common thing that other people might be happy to know. Is your guide sometimes? in your life but you never labeled it as such and then once you start looking to you'll realize that this intuition or guidance or figure or dream Mm. interaction is truly your guide is that a common experience for people is that a common it's it certainly was for me um i think that um there there's just a an just a difference in flavor when you get that intuition that you know is right compared to like oh you've had a bad experience with something so you just don't want to do it because you're scared or you don't want to be uncomfortable or it's like a kind of more pathological trauma-based response that you're sure it's right but it's actually fear that's driving it it's a different flavor to like there's a frisson and electricity there's like a life force you know to the to the energy that comes through when your guides are talking to you um, and I didn't hear it often before I met shamanism. I was too ill, really. I was too wounded to really be able to hear it. But there was the odd occasion, just in those moments where I could have gotten into real trouble in my life, like proper, like danger, dangerous territory. I would hear it and I would know and I would listen. But it took that kind of that kind of situation for me really to be able to to hear it and know it. But once I learned what that was and looked back I was like oh yeah I was really looked after I was my guides were definitely there so yeah I do think that that's probably quite common yeah
All right, we're nearing the end of our of our time here, sadly. Rhonda, if you could just share with everybody how they can get in touch with you, find your groups, that would be great so that people can start experiencing their spirit guides and, and finding shamanism. Because I love how you've introduced it as something that is concurrent with any path they're already on, and it is not a closed practice. That is, that's like a, a weight off of many listeners' shoulders, I'm sure, as it is yeah. for me. I was really happy to find your stuff. So thanks for being here. And yeah, tell us yeah. how we can connect. Thank you. Yeah, so you'll find me centerforshamanism.com and you'll find me on TikTok, on Facebook and on Instagram at Center for Shamanism. They're all the same. Um, if you're really the best place to really find community and to um, interact with me is in the Facebook community and our big group. So I'll, I can send you guys the link for that. Maybe you can send it to your listeners if they're interested, but that's yeah. the best way to find you can find that link through um through my website, but it's the Center for Shamanism community space that, that you'll find you'll find us in there. And just one more thing, you said you mentioned there about uh, closed open and closed practices. So what we do, I don't take um practices from other cultures that aren't open and that I'm a hundred percent sure are available and open. Like Ho'oponopono, for example, was gifted to the world from the Huna um shamans of Hawaii, right? Which is lovely. Um, and there are other practices that are either closed or there's like huge controversy, right? Like smudging, for example. We just don't go there. Like we just don't do it. So if you're coming over to our space and you want to like connect with shamanism, then it's it's all open. It's all available for you to try and see if it resonates. And it's a space where you don't have to worry about whether something's okay or not. Because that's that take, we were talking earlier about energy. It takes a lot of energy, and it takes away from really what you should be focusing on, which is yourself and your spiritual path. So, no worries there. <laughs> yeah, thank you for putting this out there for everybody. We'll definitely put in the show notes all the links to all of your uh, your Facebook group, your website, your social. It was really great having you on, and I'm excited to hear, listeners, if you can, if you have any questions about spirit guides. And, you know, you're in the Facebook group. You might see me and Leandra in there, too. So yeah. <laughs> we're in there as well. <laughs> it's a good time. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks very much for having me. It was lovely. Good. I'm so, this I'm so awesome. happy. Yeah, this is great. Mm-hmm. I love talking to you. <laughs> Mary meet. Mary part. And, and Mary meet, meet again. again. Thank you for joining us on the Magic Kitchen podcast. Please visit my website, leandrawitchwood.com, for news, information, and more episodes. I'm Elise Wells, and I can be found at Seeking Numina on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook, and SeekingNumina.com. That's Seeking, N-U-M-I-N-A.